Hey everybody, Brian McClanahan here. The woke madness in history education is off the rails. Well, how do we change it? McClanahanAcademy.com. And because you listen to this podcast, if you use the coupon code PODCAST at checkout, you get 25% off every day, all day, 365 days a year on every class at McClanahanAcademy.com. So go to McClanahanAcademy.com, use coupon code PODCAST at checkout, and get a real history education at 25% off. The establishment is suddenly worried about a dictator in the White House. We'll talk about that on this episode of The Brian McClanahan Show. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to The Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to The Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to have you back on the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, like my Facebook page, and subscribe to my YouTube page where you can watch this podcast. Find all those social media accounts on my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. That's B-R-I-O-N, mcclanahan.com. While you're there, give me that email address. I'll give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, free audiobook of the same title, read by yours truly. You can support the show by going to mcclanahanacademy.com. It's a great way. It's a win-win. You get great classes. Keep the podcast free of charge. You can also click on the shop tab if you're at brianmcclanahan.com. You get my logo and all kinds of cool stuff. You can purchase one of my books, wherever books are sold online. You can also click on the support tab at brianmcclanahan.com. Throw a few pennies my way, or you can go to Spotify for podcasters. You can become a member there. You can click on the YouTube, the super thanks button on YouTube if you're watching there under the video. Again, lots of great ways to support the show financially, but painlessly, you can rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. You can tell people about it, share it around on social media, leave a text review, leave a five-star review wherever you can, and comment on YouTube for the algorithm, and send me those show requests. I do want to see what you want to hear. All right, well, Trump was on an interview with Sean Hannity the other night, and he made a comment that he would be a dictator on the first day, and then after that, not so much. And the establishment is going berserk over this. In fact, you've got Liz Cheney now talking about a third-party run, which... I sincerely hope she does, uh, just to show how pathetic the establishment neocons really are. But you've got everybody now on both sides, supposedly, both sides, the never-Trumpers on the right, which are really just establishment leftists, they're all just progressives, and the progressive left taking shots at Donald Trump and saying he's going to be a dictator in the office. Now, the projection behind this is fascinating, and the ahistorical nature of all this is fascinating. We've already had dictators in the executive office. We've had them for years. Uh, we've already had people that would abuse power in the executive office. We've had it for years. We have it currently. The fact is, what, what the establishment is banking on in all of this is that people don't really know American history. And they're right about it. I mean, people have historical amnesia in the United States. And I'll just use a very recent example. Someone in the last three presidents... When Barack Obama couldn't get what he wanted through the Congress, he said, well, he has a pen and a phone. Is that not a dictator? Is that not executive authority beyond the parameters outlined in the Constitution? Where were all these historians? Where were all these worried people back then wringing their hands over this on the left in particular? But where were the neoconservatives that were challenging this kind of move? And why are they doing it now? Why are they taking aim at Donald Trump? Even though Donald Trump, as I've said on this show many times, is just a New Deal Democrat. That's all he is. Oh, and wait a second. 
when you bring up a New Deal Democrat, that brings up Franklin Roosevelt. Franklin Roosevelt is the reason we have the 22nd Amendment. The man wouldn't leave office until he died. So all these people, again, wringing their hands over the president. Trump may not want to leave office. Of course, he's going to. He wouldn't be allowed to stay there. But all these people doing that have ignored the fact that we have had presidents who have already done these things. During the 1930s and during the 19-teens, when we had Woodrow Wilson and then Franklin Roosevelt, two dictators who have been in the executive branch, there were people that were publicly saying, well, why don't we just let the, the president write the legislation and we'll just sign off on anything that they want to pass. And that's essentially what they did during the New Deal. In fact, John T. Flynn has a story that, that uh, the Congress actually passed a rolled-up newspaper because the president, the executive branch, had not written the bill yet for Congress to pass. They just told him to pass the measure without the bill, and they did it. They did it. During the uh, Wilson, Wilson administration, the, the Wilsonian era, you had people openly saying this in Congress. Look, why don't we just pass a piece of legislation that says the president can do whatever he wants to do because that's what we're doing now anyways. The president was acting as a dictator-in-chief during World War I when we had things like the nationalization of the railroads. We had massive government programs that controlled the economy and all facets of the economy. This was all being done through the executive branch. They were pushing the legislation. Now, Congress, of course, got on board with it eventually, but they were pushing all of it. During the New Deal, Franklin Roosevelt openly said, we're going to war on poverty, essentially. That's Lyndon Johnson's words. But we're going to war on the emergency. We're going to use war powers, emergency powers. I'm going to do whatever I want. I'm going to shut down banks. Now, I'm going to tell you, if you had told the founding generation who wrote and then ratified the Constitution that we would have a president who had the authority to shut down banks, they wouldn't have ratified the Constitution. It would have been something that would have gave them, given them pause and they would not have been involved in ratifying the Constitution. In fact, when you go back and look at the debate surrounding the Constitution, there were two things that were very important that people talked about. One was a loss of federalism, meaning that the states would be powerless to stop anything the general government did. We know, for example, that in the Philadelphia Convention, there was a proposal for a federal negative of state laws, and that was explicitly rejected. We know that federalism was one of the most important things that people talked about, the opponents of the Constitution. If you do this, you're going to centralize power in a way that's going to be oppressive, unjust. It's going to destroy the federal nature. They were told over and over again, that's not going to happen. But then the other area where, of course, there was a lot of angst, was over the executive branch. We know in the Philadelphia Convention that when the Virginia plan was put forward and there was a discussion about the presidency, there was a long silence. Because what these men realized and they were doing was essentially creating, or potentially creating, a situation that they had just broken away from in Great Britain, where the king had unlimited power. In fact, Alexander Hamilton himself, in Federalist Number 69, it's one of the most important essays in The Federalist. And I, I, I talk about how The Federalist is overblown, but it's one of the most important essays in The Federalist. talks about how the American presidency is not a king, doesn't even have powers close to the king of Great Britain, and that we shouldn't fear it. You see, because 
the opponents of the document were making a lot of noise about this executive branch and how dangerous it would be long-term for the United States. That was one of the ways the Constitution was sold to the states. We're not going to have an elected king. We won't get to that point. Now, George Mason pointed out we would. Alexander Hamilton, in June of 1787, in the Philadelphia Convention, said, you know, let's just skip over all the heartache and just go to the king because we're going to get it eventually. But, of course, he does argue, and this is where Hamilton is duplicitous, he does argue in Federalist 69 we're not going to get that. But he at least was being honest in June of 1787. George Mason worried about an elected king. That's what we've gotten. So for all of these people to run around, wringing their hands over Donald Trump being a dictator, they're ignoring the elephant in the room. This is why I wrote Nine Presidents Who Screwed Up America. This is why I talked about when I wrote The Founding Fathers Guide to the Constitution, how the presidency was dangerous and how most of the presidents in the last hundred years should be impeached for abuse of power. We, I'm not even talking about Abraham Lincoln, who really was uh, a, a dictator in office. Many people pointed this out. We could go back to Andrew Jackson. This is why we have the Whig Party in the 19th century, because of King Andrew. That's what they called him. King Andrew, essentially the dictator-in-chief. The American king. Or we could even look at George Washington, who did some things that were questionable constitutionally. Most importantly, his response to the Whiskey Rebellion, even though there were some that, of course, would defend that. But Washington acted without the permission of the state of Pennsylvania. I love George Washington. But there are things that these people have done that teeter on the side of dictatorship. Jackson, certainly. Lincoln, definitely. And then, of course, you move into the 20th century and you've got a lot of it. But because people in America have historical amnesia, because they don't know this record, they fall prey to these headlines, these talking points, this spin by the never-Trumpers on the supposed right and the left. When you have Liz Cheney go on Rachel Maddow, which was the highest-viewed episode for Maddow, I think, in a long time, when you have Liz Cheney do that, what you're seeing there are the, is, a, is an establishment coalition against you, because everything is your fault, you see. I talked about this last week. Everything is your fault. If inflation is high, it's your fault because you're spending too much money. If we've got bad foreign policy, well, it's your fault because you don't believe in interventionism. Particularly, as I'm going to talk about in this, in this headline, in this piece, one of the individuals they cite is Robert Kagan. Now, if you don't know who Robert Kagan is, uh, he is a neoconservative, open neoconservative, a hawk, an interventionist. Someone who believes the United States should plant its flag in just about every country around the globe. He is someone who believes in extreme centralization. And he's out there worried about a dictator. When his hero in America, or his heroes in America, have all been dictators. Harry Truman, Franklin Roosevelt, Woodrow Wilson, Abraham Lincoln. They've all been dictators in their own way. Lyndon Johnson. Johnson's treatment which he used to give to members of Congress to force them to bend to his will. It's the very thing the founding generation worried about. The president putting pressure on Congress to legislate to his will. This is what they didn't want. But we got it. We got it. So 
This hand-wringing over a dictatorship for Donald Trump is silly. Now, what Trump has said is on day one, he's going to go in, and this is the problem with executive government. We saw it with Joe Biden. We saw it with Donald Trump and Barack Obama. Day one, Trump goes in, signs all these executive orders. What does Joe Biden do? Day one goes in and signs a whole bunch of executive orders undoing Trump's executive orders. And if Donald Trump wins in 2024, he's going to go in day one and sign a whole bunch of executive orders undoing what Joe Biden did. This is maddening. In a, in a, I mean, it's, it's madness. But this is what happens when you have executive government. Now, who's to blame for all this? It's not necessarily the president. There are several things, several places to put blame, but one of them is Congress. I talked about it on the episode where I said, Congress, you know, is this, is this case going to tear down the federal government, destroy the federal government? Congress punting its responsibility over and over and over again to the presidency has created this monster by delegating authority they don't have, by giving the executive branch authority it doesn't have. It's created this monster in Washington, D.C. that cannot really be tamed at this point. I, 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 I'm telling you, unless the states decide that they're going to stand up and say no to the general government. There's no taming this monster. There's no draining the swamp. There's no cleaning up the executive branch. Congress isn't going to do it. We have two, we, our, our majorities in Congress are too razor thin. Nothing's going to happen there. And I've said that that's, that's a benefit. And it is. Because the states are going to have to take the lead in this. This is where Think Locally, Act Locally comes into play. Even Donald, uh, uh, even uh, Kagan, Robert Kagan, Donald Kagan's his father, his story. But even Robert Kagan, in his very long opinion piece, rambling opinion piece at the Washington Post, points this out. Well, how are we going to stop it? We can't rely on this. We can't rely on that. Maybe the states, maybe these Democratic governors can go in and stop this stuff. But of course, we've got red states talking about nullification right now. Well, good. Remember, and I've said this before, when the Constitution was going through ratification, there were members of the of the proponents of the Constitution, right, who would be the Federalists, right, but the proponents of the document, said over and over again that if the federal government was too powerful to abuse its power, the states would be powerful enough to check it. That's their language. The states could check unconstitutional federal power. Well, we call that today interposition or nullification. That's all it is. But Trump going in and saying, well, look, on day one, I'm going to make sure we're drilling for oil. I'm going to make sure that we shut down the border. I'm going to be a dictator on day one and make sure these things get done. Oh, no. Oh, no. See, Kagan's worried that Trump is, they've, he's got an apparatus now. He didn't know what he was doing the first four years. You see, they're actually admitting that they caused chaos, that all these bureaucrats, all, he, and Kagan actually points to the bureaucracy as a problem for the president. All these bureaucrats, all these never-Trumpers, all these establishment people, all these people, these neoconservatives that, that wormed their way into the government caused chaos for Trump. He couldn't really do what he wanted, but now he understands these people aren't going to be a benefit to him. He's not going to put them in any positions of power. And he's organized a group of people that are going to come in and just do his bidding, do his will. This is what the president did for years. It was called the spoil system. Now, you could say, well, we did away with that. The Pendleton Act, 1887, got rid of that. We have the civil, civil service reform. We have bureaucrats now. Well, maybe that's not always the best thing. And we know that the when these people talk about weaponization of the general government, they're projecting because that's all they ever want to do. They want to weaponize the general government all the time. Whether it's the clandestine police agencies like the FBI, or the CIA, or the IRS, or the 
ATF or take your pick. I mean, this is what they want to do. They want to use the bureaucracy to their advantage and target their opponents. They do it constantly. It's terrible. It's terrible when either side does it. Now, I'm not going to tell you any of this is good, but this is what happens. They do it because they can. And it makes Americans' lives uncomfortable. So to say these things, this is what Trump is going to do. These people are projecting. They're admitting, openly admitting now, that their entire, the entire structure that they created is dangerous. It's almost a revelation. It's not dangerous to them if their guy's in charge. But if somebody else is in charge, they don't like it's dangerous. Now, we can go back to Calhoun on this. What did Calhoun say uh, in, when he wrote about these things in Disquisition and the Discourse? Well, this is exactly what happens in this kind of system. If we don't have, if we don't have super majorities pushing through legislation, if we just have razor-thin majorities, you're going to create this kind of environment where thin majorities are able to abuse the minority, and they're going to do it through Congress, and they're going to do it through the executive branch. And it's going to be dangerous. So what he wanted was the concurrent majority. He said they're all going to rely on the Constitution. Right All right now, the never-Trumpers and you know, the establishment are talking about how Trump is dangerous to the Constitution. Oh, we got to protect the Constitution. Well, where have they been in the last 150 years when the Constitution has been abused constantly by the President and the Congress and everything else? Where have they been? Of course, that Constitution doesn't really matter anymore. They only use it for convenience. The one that matters is the 14th Amendment. That's And they're trying to use that to get rid of Trump, by the way. That's their new Constitution. But this is the issue. These are the big things that they're admitting. You just have to understand that uh, if you've been paying attention long enough, this stuff has already been there, but they're actually openly admitting now that the system is broken. It's only broken if they're not in power. That's how they look at it. So this piece uh, that I want to read, it's uh, in Yahoo News. Dictator Trump warnings spook America. Danny Kemp wrote this. The piece says, could a second Donald Trump presidency slide into dictatorship? Well, the real question is, what president hasn't in, in the last 150 years uh, you know, had a slide into dictatorship? They all have. Uh, you can make a case maybe in the period of, you know, Grover Cleveland, there was no dictatorship or, uh, or you know, Calvin Coolidge, maybe Warren Harding. I mean, there have been some people, you can even go back into the, into the immediate, the immediate post-war period, maybe uh, James Garfield, Chester Arthur, maybe some of them, no dictatorship, maybe Benjamin Harrison, but certainly, once you turn the... I mean, Lincoln was. You even say maybe Grant had some problems with that. And then once you turn into the 20th century with Teddy Roosevelt, you're definitely getting it. But those were good dictators. You see, Trump is a bad dictator. All of this hyperbole is just that. It's hyperbole. A sudden state of dystopian warnings has got America talking about the possibility less than a year before the U.S. elections. America is not really talking about this. A bunch of establishment people are panicking and they're trying to write stories about this so other people panic. This is the point. They're creating a narrative. It's all your fault. Worry about a dictator, even though we've had dictators for years, because they want power. It comes down to the point where they want power. They don't really care about dictators as long as they're the dictator. 
They don't really care about all these things as long as they're controlling the narrative and, and they're in power. If they lose power, this is what they do. They flip out because they're not used to being out of power. Power is their goal. Kagan is an interventionist. It's all about power. American power abroad. Power is his goal. If you know that about Kagan, you would ignore everything he ever wrote. His goal is power. Dark scenarios about what could happen if the twice-impeached Republican former president wins the 2024 election have appeared in the space of a few days in the U.S. major U.S. media outlets that include the Washington Post, the New York Times, and the Atlantic. Now look at look at that. Look at the three, right? The Washington Post, the New York Times, and the Atlantic. What are those three outlets? The Atlantic is a joke. They write the. I mean, I've gone through many of their pieces. That Lapori piece that people sent me over and over again is a joke. Maybe I'll cover it in 2024, a little more. It's a long piece. But it's a joke. The New York Times? Come on. The Washington Post? That's the Kagan piece. This is a joke to say that we should even pay attention to this stuff. If anything else... These three outlets have delegitimized themselves so much that people really don't pay attention to what they say. Now, as I've said on the show, I subscribe to these publications so you don't have to, so I can read what they're writing and tell you what's going on here. These people think that they're, they're speaking for the masses when they're speaking for themselves. These are the establishment publications. Grim predictions also came from top Republican Trump critic Liz Cheney. Now, again, when Liz Cheney's against you, you're doing the right thing. Liz Cheney and Robert Kagan are simpatico. Dick Cheney, Robert Kagan go hand in hand. Why anybody would pay attention to Liz Cheney? I mean, for years, the left excoriated her father, how bad he was. Dick Cheney, the awful guy, the dictator, all these things. He's running the Bush administration. And now Liz Cheney's a hero. They always were the establishment. That's the game that the establishment doesn't want you to know. They come up with things to try to critique the other side so their people can get in power, but they all want the exact same thing. Power. And foreign policy is a big part of that. Don't believe for a second that these people on the left, Joe Biden's a nice example of that, don't want to abuse the world with the United States because they all do. Again, I've said this before. You want a big war boat and a Democrat. World War I, World War II, Korean War, Vietnam War, or a Wilsonian like George Bush. You want a big war, vote in an establishment candidate. That's what you get. And who suffers in that? Well, the general population, whether it's through people having to go out and fight and die or the increase in prices, all these things. It's horrible. who said that the country is sleepwalking into dictatorship and that she is weighing a third-party presidential run of her own to try to stop him. Together, they paint a bleak picture of an angrier yet more disciplined Trump than during his first spell in the White House, one who would wreak revenge or wreak revenge on his perceived enemies and possibly try to stay in power beyond the two-term U.S. limit. No, he wouldn't. This is just stupid. How, how would he do that? He's not going to get anyone to agree to do that. He can't. Trump wouldn't do it. He can't. There's nothing that he's ever said that would indicate that. Trump 77 responded to the warning in typical style by laughing them off with an edge. 
He says, you're not going to be a dictator, are you? I said, no, no, no. Other than day one, Trump said, when asked in a televised Fox News town hall on Tuesday if he would abuse power or seek retribution. We're closing the border and we're drilling, drilling, drilling for oil. After that, I'm not a dictator. Well, look what he just said there. He laughs. This, I mean, he, you should laugh. These kind of charges are from a bunch of petulant children who aren't in power right now or are afraid that they won't be in power if Trump assumes the, the uh, office again. So he's going to close the border and drill for oil. That's really, I mean, you're really abusing power at that point. Day one. Oh my gosh, day one. President Joe Biden, who is behind Trump in the polls ahead of a likely replay of their bitter 2020 contest, said the warnings backed his own claims to be defending democracy. If Trump wasn't running, I'm not sure I'd be running, but we cannot let him win, the 81-year-old Democrat told a campaign event in Massachusetts. Biden cited Trump's own increasingly violent language on the campaign trail, saying his rival's description of his opponents as vermin echoed the language used in Nazi Germany. Well, wait a second here. As I said on the show, they just, they've called you deplorables and all kinds of things. These, these people have no shame. It's not hypocrisy. It's unaccountability. Why are people angry? Because we have too much centralization of power. The most eye-opening piece appeared in the Washington Post by conservative commentator, not really, Robert Kagan, with the headline, A Trump dictatorship is increasingly inevitable. We should stop pretending. <laughs> Again, if you know who Robert Kagan is, you wouldn't pay attention to a rambling... I mean, this piece, if I was to go through it, would take me four podcasts, probably, because it's rambling, it's extremely long, and it's ridiculous. Comparing him to the power-grabbing Roman Emperor Julius Caesar, the lengthy article says neither the U.S. Constitution nor the Supreme Court could prevent Trump from being president for life if he wanted. <laughs> That's false. That's false. Uh, he would have to have the military behind staying in office. He'd have to have that. There's no way that Trump's going to have that. So... I mean, this is just, again, hyperbole. It's just fear-mongering scare tactics, scare tactics that have no basis. You want to know who's really running the show right now? Barack Obama. We're, in the, we're now in the third Barack Obama term. If we get another Joe Biden administration, we're going to be in the fourth Barack Obama term. All of his people are around Joe Biden. He really is calling the shots. Biden's just a figurehead. We want to, I mean, we've got three terms of Obama, maybe even four. That's what's happening right now. Obama's just not in the executive branch. But look, I'm going to tell you, if Obama could have run again, he would have. And, not just that, he would have been elected. Obama could have been president for as long as he wanted. And, and the left would have been fine with it. And the neoconservatives probably would have been fine with it, ultimately. Kagan wrote that if Trump survives the trials he faces over trying to upend the 2020 election and cling to power illegally and wins the next election, he will, in effect, feel he is above the law and can get away with anything. Again, garbage. The New York Times analyzed the ways that a second term could unleash a darker President Trump than in his chaotic first presidency. Trump has spoken admiringly of autocrats for decades and would likely follow their example by packing the civil service with loyalists and using the Justice Department to crack down on opponents, it said. This is the exact same thing that the Democrats do anyways. Again, Donald Trump is a New Deal Democrat. He's, he's Franklin Roosevelt. And seems reminiscent of a dystopian movie. It said Trump would set up migrant detention camps and use the military against protesters under the U.S. Insurrection Act. 
The Atlantic magazine, meanwhile, is dedicating its entire January-February 2024 issue to what a Trump presidency would look like, with an editor's note simply titled, A Warning. Oh, this is going to be a lot of fun, right? How ridiculous. Some of the most dire forebodings have come from Cheney, the former Republican lawmaker and daughter of ex-president Dick, Vice President Dick Cheney, whose opposition to Trump made her a pariah in the party. It's a very dangerous moment, she told NBC on Sunday. There's no question Trump would try to stay in office beyond 2028, she said, adding that the January 6, 2020 assault on the Capitol by supporters trying to overturn Biden's election win was merely a practice run. <laughs> Where is their evidence? This is a joke. It really is a joke. But these people are concerned because they may not have power. That's the problem. For his critics, Trump's, Trump's autocratic side has long been in plain sight. Trump already faces trials for conspiring to upend the 2020 election result, with prosecutors saying on Tuesday that evidence shows he was determined to remain in power at any cost. His, but, but did he leave? I mean, this, this is the question. He was determined to stay in power at any cost. Well, if that was the case, then why did he leave? <laughs> you see, why did that happen? If that was really the case, then Trump would still be trying, would still be in, barricaded himself in the executive office. Again, ridiculous. But, but these people are hysterical. They don't really know what to do because they could see their entire world, all of their power crashing down around them, and they can't do anything but lash out. They're actually the most dangerous ones. His language has turned more extreme in recent months, during which he described migrants as poisoning the blood of our country and suggested his former military chief should face treason for death. Or face death for treason, I'm sorry. But in the looking glass world of Trump and his allies, he is always the victim. Joe Biden is the real dictator, Trump said in a picture posted on his conservative true social network. Well, I mean, there's, I could say that about any president. I could even say that about Trump. We've got, we've got executive government in America. This is the problem with it all. This is why I wrote the book, Nine Presidents Who Screwed Up America. This is why I've been saying these things for years. The establishment is worried now because they won't control it anymore. And they're worried that these things could be used against them. That's really the issue. It's all about power. And when you understand American history and you understand what's happened, all of this stuff about we're going to get a dictator, we've already had it. We've already had it. We've had it for years. But what they're finally admitting is what they've created, this monster, ultimately cannot be tamed. And everyone, left or right, should really be worried about that. But not about Trump, about the entire executive branch and the bureaucracy. See you next time on The Brian McClanahan Show. See you then.